welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. He's been whipped. He's worked harder than all these fakes. He's been in prison far more often. This is what Paul's saying. He's faced death again and again. Five times, he says, Jewish leaders gave him 39 lashes, just like they gave Jesus, on the back. Three times he was beaten with rods. He was stoned once. And it wasn't from something he rolled up. Three times he was shipwrecked. He spent a whole night and day drifting at sea, like castaway. Traveled long journeys, danger from rivers and robbers. He faced dangers from his own people. He was betrayed. Been in the desert in danger. Faced danger from people that claimed they were believers but were not. He endured sleepless nights. He was hungry and thirsty often. He often went without food. He shivered in the cold without clothes to keep warm. And more, and he goes on. He's like, guys, I've been through all these things. What have these guys been through? I've been through all of this for the sake of this message that I preach to you. What have these guys been through? Claiming this and claiming that. They haven't been through anything. I've been through it. Interesting that in church culture, we kind of battle with this a little bit. It's like the new guy comes in town. You know what I'm about to say right now. Oh, let's talk about business for a second. The new business comes in town. The new restaurant. You love this one restaurant. The new restaurant comes in town, and all of a sudden, it's the new thing. And so you sacrifice the values that you care most about with the loyalty that has come as a result of the thing that you love so much with the food that's served at this restaurant, the people that serve it, the, the, the community that's a part of it, and you go to the new thing, and you forget all of the sacrifice that this thing has given you. And you just walk away from it all. It happens in church all the time. Right? The local church that you're a part of, maybe you become familiar. You, you, you at one point loved the people. You loved what was going on. You loved what you got from it. But then, you know, over time, you just because you got disconnected, you got isolated a little bit. You felt like you weren't really connecting anymore the way that you used to because the way you used to was a result of your actual intentional connection. Now you're letting life steep in, letting life kind of distract you. You're disconnected. You're isolated. And then the new thing comes in town. You start getting dissatisfied. It's kind of like relationships, right? You're married and you get sick of the relationship that you're in. Someone else is giving you something you're not getting in your relationship. And so you leave and sacrifice the relationship that has paid a price over, over year after year after year. And you leave all of that for the new relationship only to find out there's just as many problems in that relationship as there was in the other relationship. This is kind of what's happening. I'm just painting a picture for you with Paul. As a spiritual father of this faith community, these new guys are coming in, tickling their eardrums with things they want to hear, where Paul is actually giving them truth of what they need to hear. It's like, what do we do? It's like, I want this food, but I really need this food. 
I want to eat the Big Mac, but I really need the broccoli. Well, you can only eat Big Macs for so long before you realize you need the broccoli. You get what I'm saying? So this is the context. Paul is approaching the believers at the church of Corinth, showing the sacrifice, showing what he's gone through, all the pain that he's gone through. Now, none of us have even come close to the pain of what Paul just addressed. None of us in this room have been stoned with rocks. None of us in this room have been lashed with a whip with literally shards of metal on it, ripping the skin off your back, have you? It's happened to him five times. 39 lacerations. This guy has went through some stuff. Shipwrecked. Like Titanic style. Laying on the door. All night long. Nobody coming. Imagine, this guy's been through it. Without food, without clothes. So he goes on to say in chapter 11, verse 30, he says this. So, I could boast to you, he said, I could boast to you about all that I've been through on behalf of you. But he says this, if I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. And then he goes on. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, then he goes on, or verse 1, he goes on to talk about how, how as a result of all this, how God has elevated him and promoted him. And he's had some of the most crazy out there encounters with God, like crazy stuff. He said that he had encounters with God in the third heaven. In the third heaven, the place through which God resides. He, he had this encounter and, and he heard things and saw things that were inexpressible, it says, with words. He was not even allowed to talk about it. That's how crazy it was. So now he's bragging, in a sense, humbly. He's, it's a humble brag about, about this guy talking about himself that 14 years ago had all these crazy revelations. So not only has this guy been through all the stuff I just read to you, he's got some he's got like the inner ear of God. Like he he's in, he's on the inner circle. Like he's the he's the high in his mind, he's like there's probably no one like him. There's no one like him. In other words, there's no one like him that should be the one that these people are actually following. Why are they following these super apostles that are pretenders? This guy's got it. Paul's got it. It says that as a result of these crazy revelations and crazy experiences that I've had, I've actually been humbled, he says. He said there was a, a messenger of Satan sent to him to oppress him, and I won't get into the theological connection of what I'm going to talk about right now because I don't have time and it's not really relevant necessarily to what I'm saying, but what you need to know is that there was an oppression that was on Paul that he just seemed to not be able to kick, that created in him this lowly weakness that he just couldn't overcome. It was like an oppression. It was like he was so high yet he had to stay low. He was so promoted, yet he had to stay on his knees. He had, to, he had to act like he really didn't have anything at all. And it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, and this is my text, okay? We're going to land here. The plane is coming down to land right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, he says, But he said to me, speaking of Jesus, so, G so Paul is saying, God, take this away from me. Like, can you deal with this thing that has been sent to me? The word is buffet to attack me, to torment me. Can you take this away from me? And God's reply is, my grace is sufficient for you. 
Now, he didn't say he wouldn't. Now, a lot of people, this is where people get hung up. God never said he wouldn't take it away. He just responded in a way that didn't necessarily answer his question. We ask God often to fix the problem. And then God answers with not the answer to the problem, but the answer to the season. So God, take out my boss because he's just, I don't like him and I can't work with him. So like fire him. Instead of God firing him, God looks at you and says, I'm going to give you more peace. He doesn't answer your question, doesn't do what you asked, but he gives you what you need. It's very mysterious like that. God, pay off my debt. God's like, I'm going to teach you responsibility. Manage your first $100 properly. Now, can God do those things? Absolutely. Does he? Absolutely. Does he care more about the results or the process? Always the process. Cares about your heart. So Paul's like, take this thing from me. It's too hard. Fix it. I can't deal with it. Like, like, give me, like, do something. I can't handle this. And God's like, listen, all you need, Paul, is my grace. It says this, my grace is sufficient for you. Let me continue reading it in the Amplified Version. It says, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough. Always available, regardless of the situation. For my power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your what? In your weakness. He's saying, listen, just position yourself and your perspective and your mindset differently, Paul. Don't ask for me to fix your problem. Ask for the provision that you need in the season that you're in so that the problem fixes itself. We want God to just fix all our little problems. That's not how it works in relationship. God's like, fix your inside and your outside will just fix itself. Win on the inside and you'll start winning on the outside. Because if I give you a quick fix, you'll quickly fall back into the very thing that I fixed. But if I take you through a process, by the time the process is complete, you'll have so valued what you learned in the process, you'll never allow yourself to go back again. Some of you in this room need to really hear this right now. You want the quick fix. You want the quick, rich scheme. You want to get everything quick, quick, quick. Drive through God. Let me just tell you, it's a drive-through devil. It's never a drive-through God. You want to drive through God? The God that you're talking into the drive-through is actually a devil. I'll give it to you quick. Here you go. Here's kingdoms. Here's money. Everything you want. Here, win the lottery. You got it all now. It's going to fix all your problems. Really, no, no, the problem was within. It was never without. It was never on the outside. It was always on the inside. God looks at Paul and says, listen, all you need, bro, right now is my grace. I'm not saying I won't help you with the issue, but I think the issue will be helped when the real issue on the inside, which is trusting me in your weakness, when you're not strong, if you get that in check, everything else will follow. One person clapped. One person's getting it. Yes. So listen to what it says. Just 
rewinding a little bit. He says, my power is perfected and is complete and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. Period. Then it says, therefore, Paul says, therefore, I will all the more gladly boast in my weaknesses. I'm going to boast. I'm going to brag. I just kind of bragged a little bit about my credentials. I kind of humble bragged a little bit about all the experiences that I've had. But now I've come to realization when I realize that God's just not going to fix my problem and, and, and take this thing from me that's been, that's been attacking me, tormenting me, the oppression that I feel. He's going to actually give me the grace I need to stand within it to overcome it myself. Me plus God always equals breakthrough. Me plus me always equals problem. So therefore, he says, therefore, I get it. Therefore is like a, I've concluded my process of thinking. Therefore, that's what he says. Therefore, I will all the more gladly boast in my weaknesses so that, listen to this, so that the power of Christ may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. Do you know that there is a fullness you haven't yet experienced, a completeness you haven't yet experienced because you have not learned yet to invite God's strength in your weakness. When you learn to come to, I said this in the team rally, which is actually called supernatural leadership training that we do every morning at 8.55, which if you're missing it, you're missing out on a lot. I encourage you to come. But I said this, is like when you come to the place where you feel like you have nothing, that's when you begin to access his everything. The only time you begin to learn to access God's everything in your life is when you feel like literally you have nothing. That was the whole story of Job. I have to come to the end of myself to find the beginning of God. I got to feel like I have nothing to find God's everything. My nothing always equals God's everything. But I don't find it unless I come to the end. Paul's coming to the end of himself to realize God's grace is sufficient. Let me just continue on. I'm almost done reading this passage. Then it says in verse 10, So I am well pleased with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, and with difficulties, all of which I just described previously of all the attacks I've been through, all the shipwrecked nights, all of the, the lashes on my back. I've been through all these things for the sake of Christ, he says, for when I am weak in human strength, that's what he's talking about, then I am strong, truly able, truly powerful, truly drawing from God's strength. Are you reading that with me on the screen? I'm now drawing from God's strength. Let me just flip back for a second. I want to highlight one phrase, I will boast. Say, I will boast. This word for I will boast in the Greek context, what, what Paul is actually saying without saying it, because we're reading it through an English translation, what Paul is actually saying is, in my, when he says I will boast, I will gladly boast, what he was saying is this. I will, in the midst of weakness, lift my head high. That's what he was saying. That's what it means. That word to boast means to lift my head high. Because when you're struggling, right, it's very easy to keep your head low. Woe is me. It's like the donkey in Winnie the Pooh. You know, woe is me, the mule, whatever it is. Well, Eeyore, yeah. Oh, everything's, his head's low. He's low. But Paul is saying, in your weakness, when everything sucks, lift your head high. Your head belongs high when everything feels low. 
And it means this, it means boasting from a particular vantage point by having the right base of operation to deal successfully with a matter. So what we're talking about today really, in essence, is learning how to have the right perspective when everything's coming at you. I lift my head high because I have a vantage point from the right base of operation. You know what that base of operation is? You live right now and are connected to God in heaven right now. You don't pray from here to there. You pray from there to here. Because if you are in relationship with Jesus right now, you are connected as one with him. And where is he? At the right hand of the Father. John says you are in him and he is in you. This is the good news. It's part of the mystery of faith is that you live two places at once right now. You're not praying from here to go, there. God, please, if, if I could just, I heard someone say this recently at the gym. Like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good deeds so I can stock up in heaven. I'm like, listen, your good deeds will not get you to heaven. His good deeds got you to heaven. It's called the cross. He died, he sacrificed, did one good deed one last time to pay the price that you could never pay. You can't pay a price to get into heaven with your good behavior, your good deeds. God doesn't give a rip about your good deeds unless you've first given a rip about his one good deed. Your good deeds mean nothing until you've given a rip about his good deed. Now, once you give a rip about his good deed, then yeah, do good things. But listen to all this, it's not your effort that gets you to heaven. It's not your effort. So we live from that base of operation from there. Our vantage point is heavenly, not earthly. Okay, I'm teaching you a little bit this morning. I'm going beyond you a little bit. Some of you are at a different level right now, and I'm like, you're catching pieces of it. It's okay. You'll catch what you need to catch today. But what I'm talking about today is changing your perspective so that when you feel weak, all of a sudden you have the ability within you, understanding what's going on to lift your head high because you have a different base of operation through which you are perceiving life from. I will boast. I will lift my head high. Turn to your neighbor and say this. Keep your head up. Keep your head up. That was my introduction to my message. Keep your head up. Keep your head up. Keep your head up. Talking about winning from above. We talk a lot about winning from within. We talked about that a little bit earlier. But I want to talk about winning from above, which really is connected to learning how to win from within. But I want to ask you a few questions. I want to ask you these questions. I think we have them for the screen. I don't know. Where and how are you looking at your situation in this season? How are you looking at your finance? How are you looking at your relationships? The trouble that you're facing at school? How are you looking at the trouble you're facing at home? Your failed businesses? Your struggle in your parenting? Your lack of vision and motivation? How do you deal with that? How do you deal with the sickness you're dealing with, the unnecessary Facebook battle that you engaged in now is blown up, has begun to haunt your life? How are you dealing with that? Man, the insecurity you are dealing with, the gossip that has come against you, the addiction you may be facing. So many others in this room can fill in a blank and say, whatever it is for you, how are you dealing with the thing that's haunting you right now? How are you dealing with the thing that's coming against you right now? How are you handling it? Do you have the right base of operation? Well, let me just tell you, if you don't have a heavenly base of operation, your battle will always be like this, and you'll probably always lose. Because there are some battles that you are never called to win in your own effort. 
And sometimes we have to come to the end of ourselves to realize that this battle will only be won by God. And so coming to the end of myself is finding the beginning of God in my life. That's why so many people on their deathbed finally make a decision. After all those years, there must be more to life. Don't be that person. Be that person right now that chooses to give God an opportunity to give them a new base of operation from which you live from to see life differently because now you have an opportunity to develop a relationship with the one who's created you with the purpose. Live from that space and you'll see things change around you. Keep your head up in that space and everything will change. And listen, I'm just God's messenger today. If you have an issue, you can always take it up with management. This is how life works in the kingdom. Thank God for my weakness. Say it out loud right now. Thank God for my weakness. Because it's the only spot, listen, it's the only spot God will make you strong. I, t I say this all the time to people if you've, if you've been with us for a long time. I grew up with a stutter. I could, I hated, and I use this word as a strong word, public speaking. I went to speech therapy from the age of five. Public speaking would give me anxiety. Why? Because I had a stutter. I didn't know if it was going to manifest or not. But I shared my story when I was 18 years old and I got baptized in water. When I came up, God loosed my tongue. Healed me. Totally healed me. I actually used to say, I will never speak behind a mic. Huh. Justin Bieber prophesied, does it never say never? Because you just never know. You just never know. You say, I'll never, and you might just do it. Peter said, I'll never deny you, Jesus. And what did Peter do? Right-hand guy of Jesus denied him three times. Then a rooster crowed, and it was all over. Never say never. In my weakness, I would speak and say, I'll never. But guess what? When I let Jesus into my life, I realize that it's in my weakness. I can hold my head high and invite his strength to be made manifest. So when people see me talk, they know it wasn't my own effort and they know it's his working through me. That's what we're talking about here. So I'm going to boast that, hey, I suck right now in this area, so I'm letting God in. And when I let God in, you'll see God in and you'll see God out. And you'll be like, wow, that's not him. I knew him. That's God. Something divine, someone divine is working something that makes absolutely no sense in that individual. So, thank God for my weakness. Because where you're weak, God's going to show us mo the most glory on your life will always be shown and showcased and demonstrated where you feel like you failed the most. Let that sink in for a second. Where you feel like you failed the most and you feel like you're the most weak and you feel like there's no way that I can do what he's doing or do that and you said I'll never do that, chances are somewhere, sometime, if you let God lead you, you will do the very thing you said you'll never do. So if I ask you to come up on the platform and speak and you say I don't speak, watch out. You might come up on, up on the platform and speak because... Wink, wink on all kinds of people. Anyways, mm -hmm. looking up, write this down. Looking up when you're weak invites his strength. Looking up when you're weak invites his strength. Write this down. A surrender in weakness 
is an invitation to power. A surrender in weakness is an invitation to power. I just feel like the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, make this a two-part teaching. I'm actually going to continue this next week. I feel like God is just, I feel like there's something on this right now in this moment for this house that we need to get, that we need to capture. There's two components to this. Because some of us, we have excused ourselves from opportunities because of this. We feel weak. We excuse ourselves from situations, doing certain things. We say, oh, I have this thing on me. I can't do it. I have this issue. I have this sickness. We excuse ourselves. And rightly so, some of the excuses may be valid. But in God's eyes, no excuse is valid if he's called you. You may have a valid excuse, but God doesn't care about your excuse. Moses had a stammer. Moses had a stutter. And yet God called him to lead a whole bunch of people through a wilderness for 40 years at the age of 80. I'm old. I can't speak. And you want me to go back to where I grew up and deliver my people? Like, what do I got? God's like, what do you have in your hand? Use what's in your hand. I have a staff. Oh, this could be used. I wonder. Throws it down. What happens? Turns into a miracle working rod. Like a magic wand. No, this is hmm. a tool that God used for his power. You got what you need. The principle is you got what you need in your hands right now. You have what you need in your hands right now. You may not feel equipped or qualified externally. You may not feel like you have the right education, the right experience, the right people around your life. But let me tell you, you have exactly what you need if God's called you. You've heard this before. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the call. You've heard that before probably over and over again. Or maybe you haven't. And if it's the first time, welcome to church. <laughs> God has not called the qualified. He's not looking for you to be perfect. Oh, now you got it all together. People used to always tell me, yeah, Sean, one day, you know, I, when I'll get everything in a row, then I'll jump in. No, bro, whatever, you might die before that point. Jump in now. God does not give a rip. Let me tell you about how perfected you are right now in your behavior. He gives a rip of your willingness of your heart to be teachable, humble, and learn and follow with his flow. So it's step by step. Ooh, baby, I want to get to you. Uh, I was always going to keep going. I don't even remember the words. It's step by step, one step at a time. One step, listen, one step is one step closer. A second step is one step closer. Some of us are way back here. We got to get over there like, okay, I know one day there'll be a moment where I just go from here to there. No, no, no. It's step by step, step by, and by the time I get here, I'm at the place that I wanted to be before I took the first step. I, I got to that place in the process. You see what I'm saying? This is a word for somebody. Don't wait to go from here to there. Go from here to there by taking one step after the next step, after the next step. And when you get to the end of that last step, you have arrived at the very place in your heart that you wanted to get to over here before you even started, took a first step. So when you're struggling, look up. 
you might be struggling with the first step. But if you look up, when you look up and you look in the right direction, you know exactly how to walk. I don't know how to walk. If I got to get over there, if I have to look at every step down here, I'm going to be really slow. But if I look where I want to go, I just go. And if I trip, I trip. I would rather go, trip, fall, get up again than stay stagnant and not go for fear of what if I fall? Because you will fall. So take a step. Some of you in this room, you need to take a step in a, a thing that's in your heart. You haven't taken a step yet. You're afraid. Take a step. Take a step. Peter took a step on the water. Where was his error? When he looked up or when he looked down? The only reason why Peter sunk while he was walking on the water, David Blaine style, is because he looked down at the problem, down at the impossibility, down at the waves. Oh, snap, what am I doing? That's what he's thinking in his mind. He began to sink. If he had kept his head up, his head high, this is a weak moment. There's no way I can do this without God's strength, right? I can't step on the water, walk on the water without God's strength, right? So in my weakness, where it doesn't make sense, I'm inviting God's strength. It's an act of surrender. So stepping out of the boat, first step, is an act of surrender. And I'm doing it, guys. I'm stepping it. I'm doing it, guys. And I'm keeping my eyes up, not down, looking at the problem, looking at the reality in front of me. I'm just walking forward. And you'll win every time. I had a moment yesterday, interesting moment, where... I, I, without giving you all the details, I, I'm taking these courses right now on the side. And uh, part of me is like, why am I doing this to myself? But anyways, taking these courses on the side and uh, studying at nights. On my day off this week, I spent 14 hours straight studying and just reading and reading and reading. And part of what I'm doing has to do with memorizing equations and formulas and all these different things. And so I have this calculator and uh, that I purchased and it's for what I'm doing. And I've had to memorize all these different formulas and equations and all these different like functions on the, that I never used back in school and probably will never really use even in the future. But I was like memorizing all these things, equations and things and using this calculator. So I got very comfortable after in the last three or four months with this calculator, especially in the last three weeks. So I was like owning it and I had this three hour exam yesterday. So I was in a three hour exam yesterday morning and I had this calculator, I got super comfortable with it. And um, I haven't been in this environment in a long time. So I'm, I come in and I'm doing my exam, I'm like in the zone. I'm halfway at the midpoint of my exam, maybe an hour and a half, a three hour exam, maybe an hour and 20 minutes in the midpoint of my exam. And my calculator dies. Like when have you ever, I have never witnessed in my life a calculator dying. No, no, have you? Anybody, please. Okay, please. Okay. I, I never. So I have this calculator. It's brand new. Listen, I haven't had it that long. It's pretty much brand new. And it dies. And like, I'm not even in the part of the exam where I actually really need the calculator. Like where I actually need to, re like, to rely on it. So I'm like freaking out. I'm like, I'm done. I'm failing. It's not going to happen. I can't, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. And I got my head, my head down. And I'm thinking, I'm like, shoot. Like, what do I do? 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 And I'm like, I'm thinking, and I just, first thing I just do without, like, processing, really, I look at the, the one of the uh, mod moderators, and I look up, and it's all, everyone, you can't talk, right? So it's, it's crap. 
Oh, and so they figured out I needed a calculator. So they brought me a calculator, but it was like one of those ones like iPhone level, like it had nothing on it. Like I needed the functions. I, I had relied on the functions. I hadn't really, that's the thing. I hadn't really memorized like the equation. I memorized the functions. Be very careful in life. <laughs> Yo, like, so, so anyway, so they bring me this calculator. It doesn't do at all what I need to do. It's so, literally, I'm like, I'm in my mind, I'm like, I'm screwed. So I put my head down. I start praying. I'm like, God, like, what are the, ch like, you knew. Like, come on. Like, I've never had a calculator die in my life. Why now? Midpoint of the exam. Come on. So I got my head down, and I'm like praying. I'm like, God, you got to give me an answer. Give me an answer. And I just felt like the Lord said, put your head up. Put my head up. I was just thinking. I had my eyes closed. The person probably on the, the moderator was like, what's going on? I'm like. And I, and I keep my head up, and I look down. Just for a moment with my eyes. I have my head up, look down, and I look at my. Now, just a little backdrop for a second. The calculator, okay, had two, you know, those little specialized batteries? They're not like, it's not like double A's or anything, okay? This is like a specialized battery. You know, the, the little guys, the little discs, you know? What, what are they called? Flat, okay, what? Flat silver, okay. So, anyways, now I can't hear anybody what they're saying. What are you saying? Coin cell. Okay, whatever. Anyways, so now I'm distracted. So I open the back, I open the back of the calculator, and there's two of these round little disc batteries in there. I'm like, and at this point, yeah, so I already know, known this. So now I put my head down. I feel like God said, put your head up. I'm like praying. I open my eyes, look down, and I see my remote for my car. Like my my uh, my remote, my starter for my, my car. Look down, and I'm like, I have this epiphany. I'm like, what if there's a battery in the remote? So I'm like fiddling. Now, you got to understand, like, this exam, it's moderated. So, like, any fidgeting and stuff looks sketchy. I'm like fiddling. Like, maybe I hid, like, papers to cheat, like, inside my remote. You know how they're thinking, probably. So I'm like explaining. I'm like, so I'm like, oh, trying to get it open. I'm like prying it open. Eventually, I get it open, and it's, look, it looks like the same battery. I'm like, no way. I'm like, no way. I take it out. I put it in the calculator, and the calculator works. Come on. Don't ever tell me God's provision is not there. And when you feel the weakness of God and you look up, I'm telling you, God will give you what you need in the moment. You're inviting his strength into your weakness and just at the right moment, you'll see what you need and God will give you exactly what you need to accomplish what he's called you to accomplish. Man, that's good.